0: Anxiously with Amy and Lisa. Now here are your hosts, Amy and Lisa.
1: Hi, I'm Amy.
0: And I'm Lisa.
1: And this is Anxiously, the podcast where we talk about all the things that make us anxious. So, Lisa, how are you doing today?
0: Uh, I'm okay. I'm a bit frazzled, to be honest. We had a totally stupid, stressful morning that wasn't, like, so different from how mornings usually go in this household during the week, but it was it a was pretty extreme version. I worked until 3 o'clock in the morning last night and then crawled into bed and then was woken up by Hudson at 5... And I was helping him do stuff including taking a COVID saliva test for school. And oh then my gosh. I crawled back into bed at 6.30 thinking I could sneak in another 30 minutes of sleep. And then, of course, I slept through my alarm and we didn't get out the door until the kids were supposed to be at school. So I didn't have time to feed them breakfast at home. We ended up putting in an order through the Starbucks app on my phone for them to get bagels to eat in the car on the way down to school. It was like a total... <laughs> mess. And then, of course, I had to like hop on a Zoom as soon as I got back home. And I just like, all. I'm so tired. And I'm so, there's just so much to juggle. How are you doing?
1: (laughs) I feel like my heart rate is going up just hearing about that. Because I will say I have always had Bad relationship with time. I find time to be so slippery and tricky. I am famously always running late, and I know it's not a good quality at all. Like, I kind of laugh about it, but it, yeah, it's something I really struggle with. So That kind of rushed, frenzied morning, even though I don't have kids, is familiar to me for sure. Today, after work, I was supposed to meet my parents. They were coming very nicely to drop off some food outside. I had all good intentions to be there on time, but I got sucked into something silly on my phone. And before I knew it, like I had totally lost track of time, and I was getting an angry phone call from my parents being like, Where are you? Amy, why are you always late? And it's like I couldn't even make the time to be on time for my wonderful parents who came all the way. So, you know, thankfully, whatever, I made it downstairs, apologized, (laughs) hugged them with masks on, and all was okay. But it was just another reminder of how I am a chronically late person.
0: (laughs) It's tough. I feel like you and I are similar. I'm, I'm also always late. And I feel like now, working from home, I had a bad work-life balance to begin with. (laughs) (laughs) And now it's like, those lines are totally blurred. And I just feel like there is stuff coming at me constantly. It's just like a constant deluge that COVID has just washed ashore here. And I can't get my head above water. And I feel like I'm constantly treading and I'm not getting any closer to, to land. I just like can't get a hold of time. And time seems like this bizarro accordion where sometimes it feels like it's stretching out really long and weeks are just like endless. And then other times it contracts and I can't like, I can't believe it's already mid-March. I can't get a hold of time.
1: I think everyone is experiencing time weirdly right now. But it's interesting that we like we feel all this pressure to, quote-unquote, manage our time. Is that even possible? Like, is it just a matter of getting better at juggling things or being good at multitasking? Like, I like to think I'm actually good at multitasking. I think I sort of enjoy it in a way. Like, it kind of gives me, like, an adrenaline rush that forces me to get stuff done. But I don't know how healthy that is.
0: It's interesting. I wonder... If, you know, marking Shabbat and taking the day of rest to really separate from work would be healthier and therapeutic almost in a way, it seems like a very wise thing to do to just sort of cut off that torrent of to-do list items.
1: Yeah, because as you said, it's like there's no more separation anymore between work and life. I mean, there sort of wasn't already, like with the advent of email and Wi-Fi, like work came into our homes already. There is something, I think, good about carving out time that's meant to be time off. Yeah, like Shabbat, exactly, or just any day of sort of unplugging. But I I really struggle with, with taking that time and feeling good about it. So
0: do I. I feel like I have trouble... Just taking time for myself, period. And I look at Liel, my husband, he is super efficient. Like he maps out his path through the supermarket. When we take a trip, like a vacation or even like a day trip, he likes to map out every freaking minute. And I think that's weird and creepy a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) We've had many conversations about that. But then I think like he'll find time. Like he will be able to carve out time during the day to just sit and read a book. And I never do that. Like if I'm going to read, it's in a sort of a scramble before bedtime. And he never he never puts stuff off. He doesn't procrastinate. And I am a super procrastinator. Like when I was writing, I would put off writing. Like I would find anything else to do, like clean, do laundry, you know, anything I could grasp at to just avoid writing. And he never does that. But I've also read an article recently that says that procrastination might actually be good for us and it allows our brains to form neural connections. So I wonder maybe all this anxiety about time management is not necessary.
1: And luckily, we have an amazing guest today who is a very productive person. So hopefully she'll tell us some of her secrets and help us feel a little bit less anxious about time management. Zibby Owen's latest book, Moms Don't Have Time To, a quarantine anthology, is based on her award winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. She currently lives in New York with her husband and her four children and somehow gets more done in a day than most people do in a month. And now, here's our chat with
2: Zibby.
1: Thank you so much for joining us uh, here on
2: Anxiously. Thanks for having me. I'm thrilled.
1: You famously are a podcast host yourself. Your podcast is called Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Can you talk a little bit
2: about what your podcast is and how it works? I interview authors these days every day, seven days a week. It used to be once a week. Now I have such a backlog. So I'm doing I'm releasing them seven days a week. And I talk to the authors for 30 minutes about their books and really about their lives and who they are and what makes them tick and backstory and their writing process and their advice to aspiring authors. And then just something about them that I find really interesting or something in the book that speaks to me personally. And I just have like heart to hearts with authors all day. I mean, it's so fun. (laughs) It's really just amazing. So that's what my podcast is. Well, we highly recommend it. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Lisa and I are, of course, huge book people. And you're such a wonderful champion of books and reading, and obviously a voracious reader yourself. How do you make time to read? Do you find that reading gives you a little bit of an escape from the whirlwind of time management? Does it stress you out to try and fit in reading?
2: I was literally telling someone this morning, it would be as if someone was like, try to eat as much ice cream as you can. You have to eat all these flavors. Go! And you're like, but I love ice cream. This is like, this is, how could this be a punishment? So do I get stressed? I get stressed because I've made myself all these crazy deadlines. I do it to myself, like this anxiously. I, I mean, I am like the textbook anxiety case. I create problems for myself when I don't have any just to stress about them. But yes, I view reading as a total escape. And every time I do it, it makes me feel better. And then whatever I go back to in life, I deal with better in terms of when I do it. It depends on when a book is due. So now I read based on my calendar because I have usually seven books a week that I'm trying to cover. Some books I look a few weeks ahead and I'm like, oh, this book is going to take me a couple of weeks. So I start those early. Some that are more self-help or more nonfiction, I can do. I do sitting at my computer like right here and I read them either on my computer or with a pen at my desk and I can just like go and underline them. I listen to audiobooks. I listen in the car. I listen walking the dog. I always read before bed for at least half an hour. And I try not to do that on a device at all. And I always read while I'm putting my kids to bed because that process can be kind of endless. So as soon as I put them in bed for the first time, I'm always like, hold on, let me go get my book. So I read them books and then they go in bed and then I sit and I'm reading too. So I'll read. If it takes an hour, at least I'm reading because that time used to be just my inner turmoil stress time where I wasn't getting anything done. And now I am like totally enjoying myself. And I tell the kids what I'm reading. So I'll say like, oh, like this is the thriller about blah, blah, blah. And then the next day they'll be like, well, who did that? And so they're kind of a part of it. And then when I go interview the author, I can be like, well, that's the one from that night. blah you know, so. <laughs> Anyway, those are some times when I definitely get a bunch in. I'm so impressed. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: It is genius to bring your own book in at bedtime while you're trying to get the kids to go down and, and read for yourself. That process can be endless. And I feel so many nights like when they just won't go down, like I'm going to lose my mind and I can feel my blood pressure spiking. And sometimes I'm usually thinking it's because I still have so much work to do. Yep. And sometimes I've gotten into a bad habit of bringing my laptop into my son's room and working
2: while I sit at the foot of his bed. I do that I too. also. Yeah. I um, do. I Sometimes I do that.
0: Owning that time and taking it as like time for yourself to read a book for pleasure or work in your case. I love that. Thank you. You wrote a few years ago, a really hilarious essay for the Huffington Post about what it's like trying to get your kids ready in the morning. And you wrote, quote, there also seems to be a mystery at play, no matter how much time we have before school or whatever morning activity. And believe me, given how early my crew wakes up, there are days when we have multiple hours. The last 20 to 30 minutes are absolute mayhem. We go from relative calm, like coloring and coloring books, to a five-alarm fire. My pulse quickens, my heart rate skyrockets, and oh, it's on. I totally identify, I mean, every morning is like that here. It's it's like we can get up two hours before we have to be at school, and (laughs) it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what happens, but those last 20 minutes are a nightmare. I think a lot of people, even people who don't have kids, can identify with this sort of pressured time suck that happens before you have to get out of the house. So can you walk us through how we could take back mornings?
2: Oh, I was actually thinking about how little progress I've made since I wrote that. And that was years ago. And I've basically, I still this morning we're all, I'm screaming, oh my God, we're going to be late. And now sometimes they just scream, we're going to be late. I'm like, No, we're not. You know, Because I also put in all these artificial deadlines so that we're never late. We've never been late. Occasionally, we wait for the school to open. But my <laughs> deadline in my head creates the panic. And they don't know. It's a false deadline. I pad the deadline. But it doesn't mitigate the stress in any way somehow. <laughs> no matter what we do early. And some mornings, I'm like... Let me try doing shoes and socks like half an hour early. Or like, does it matter when we get dressed versus when we eat? What should come first? And nothing matters. They just don't want to leave the house. And getting a crew of people out the door who don't want to leave is like a big effort every day. <laughs> so that's really the gating item is the obstinance of the participants. <laughs> I think that's
0: really insightful. Like, if the rest of the people in the household don't want to move, it's a
2: stumbling block. Yeah. It's like if the house was full of adults, and we all had to go to jury duty or something. <laughs> yes. Like you, and you were like, let's go, guys. Let's go to jury duty. Let's go. You'd be like, uh, okay, I'm coming. Right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much.
1: And I find that lately leaving the house feels like more of an effort. Because of putting on the mask, like putting on the coat, putting on the scarf, putting on the mask. It's one stupid thing, but somehow it adds this whole other layer of like, oh, so difficult. Yeah.
2: Never find the right mask. One of my kids is a thief. Like she takes everything and I don't know where it goes. So she also (laughs) takes masks and they disappear. So my my masks are never in the bin that I have for masks at the front door. So we will never be without a mask. Like (laughs) you're so organized. Makes no difference. But yes.
1: Well, speaking of math, I can't believe it's been a year now that we've been living in this pandemic reality. And I think it's really messed with our notions of time. The fact that it has felt in some ways so much longer than a year. And also like last March was just yesterday. Um, And days seem to either crawl or fly by and certainly blur together. And of course, your book is called Moms Don't Have Time To, a quarantine anthology. So this has been on your mind a lot. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. on this past year and how it's changed our relationship to time.
2: Yes, like everyone, it's been quite a year. I started with the normal chaos of remote school for four kids. You know, the food and doing all the housework and the laundry and my husband did all the cooking and just like having no outside visitors or helpers of any kind for weeks on end while I was still doubling down on all the work I was doing. So I was like doing Instagram lives every day with authors because I just felt this like very strong calling that I had to use the platform that I have to help because I knew I could. I knew I could on a dime sort of change things because it's really just me. I have this tiny team now. I'm not like a big publisher who can't pivot. So I was like, I can be the one to help these authors. So I was doing lots of extra work. And I started a virtual book club, which I still have going on. And I was doing all these shows and doing my podcast and dealing with the kids and the house. And of course, the stress and myself and, you know, everything. And then I started this online magazine called We Found Time. So I was publishing essays by all these authors, which I had started before the pandemic, had commissioned a bunch of pieces, which were going to be part of this big, splashy new website that I ended up not ever building because pandemic hit. So I would just put them up on my own website and released five or so a week. And those are the essays, by the way, that at the end of the summer, I realized um, were long enough to be a book. so that that became the book. so i wasn't I never tried to write this book. Um, but then, between the time I stopped publishing the essays and thought they were a book, I had these two months of really horrific time in the summer. My husband's super close to his family. So his mom and grandmother have lived together his whole life pretty much. His grandmother Nini got sick. She got COVID from going to a hospital for something else. Nini got COVID and they didn't know. So they released her back home and she was getting sicker and sicker and gave it to Susan. Meanwhile, then Nini has to go back to the hospital because she got felt much more ill because now she had COVID. Goes to the hospital. Susan's not allowed there. She has a fever at home. She ends up having to pack herself with ice packs under a hazmat suit so that they will let her say goodbye to Nini, who was not in poor health. So she has to say goodbye to her mom, who's like her best friend, right? They've been attached to the hip for years. The next day, Susan had to go to the hospital because she had like 104 fever. And it started a six-week journey, which it was deeply traumatic. And then she passed away. I mean, it was horrific. I'm so So sorry. You
1: recently had COVID and thankfully recovered from it. But I know you got sick like the day of your book release. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and talk about time management. And You made that made work, it work
2: somehow. Because honestly, because I couldn't deal with all the time it would take to reschedule everything. I had so many people involved because all my events were not just me. It was that I, I enlisted all the support of the con- 60 amazing contributors to my anthology to do all these events with me. So I wasn't going to just reschedule everything. I literally stayed in bed and I took the step stool that I used to have as a little girl that said Zibby with like, you know, script. I don't, I can't believe I even have it. And it was like up on a high shelf and I would put it and like my, I could barely squeeze my legs in between the legs of the step stool. And it was, so it like didn't move. And then I propped up my laptop and I would sit up and do an event and then I would close it and like go back to sleep. Oh, <laughs>
1: you made it work. You made it work. I made it work.
2: But you know what? I knew it wasn't so bad. I mean, I knew I had a lot of symptoms and I did. I had like every symptom, but I didn't have any trouble breathing and my oxygen level never dipped. So I didn't even really care. I was like, I know I'm going to be fine. I'm just going to ride it out as long as it lasts.
1: How have you felt in general juggling time and in the pandemic? Has it gotten easier
2: now like that we're further into it? I think I feel better being really busy when there's a lot of uncertainty. So I keep adding things. (laughs) I just keep adding things to my plate, and I, like in the pandemic when like my eye cow was empty, you know, like for days and weeks, I was like, oh my gosh. So managing time, I don't know. I just feel like I keep getting new perspectives on on it. But I think the hardest part is managing emails. Everything else, I seem to be able to do pretty well. I can write. Quickly, I can read quickly, I can prepare, I have systems, but the emails are just the thing I just can never finish. I mean, obviously, but like it's, I'm the type of person who like, I will pause my load of laundry three times if I find like errant socks laying around just so I can cross it off my list. I don't want to have anything waiting for the next load. So like email to me is just the worst, like it just doesn't end. That's been my biggest challenge. Yes. You I feel the relate. same way,
0: right? I feel the exact same way. Yeah.
2: I think like the whole expression of like, if you want something done, like give it to a busy mom because you don't really have the luxury of procrastinating. And this probably applies, applies to stay at home dads or whatever, probably lots of other groups of people. But I'll just speak to my own because this is the one I'm in. If you're already so busy, another school form, throw it on top of the pile, right? I'm already doing a thousand things. But like if I had the whole day and you're like, hey, would you do this one form and you might do it wrong, right? Which is why I don't like to, I have a hard time delegating anything. You know, <laughs> so I'm like, really? Why is that taking so long? I don't know if that really answered your question, but um, I do think that toggling between kids and yourself and your obligations and everything else increases efficiency on a broad scale. I'm not sure I'm good at multitasking. I'm good at, like, stacking lots of tasks together quickly. Like, I'll do a podcast, but I'm only doing the podcast. And then I'll read, but I'm only reading. And then I'll email, but I'm only emailing. So I don't usually do many things at once. I have a hard time with that. But I do a lot of things in a row. That's interesting. I, I feel like my
0: husband is very similar to you in that way. Like, he can power through a list of tasks and he's very organized. Whereas I'll like, I'll go back and forth and I'll do one thing. And then I, I think because I'm like having so much anxiety about all this stuff on my to-do list, I sort of don't know where to focus. And then I'll, I'll go like fill out some forms and then I'll go back to editing or I'll go back to reading and then I'll go back to
2: form filling. But that's all the same thing in my mind. Like form filling and emailing, that's all like desk stuff. You know, like if I'm at my desk, I'm doing desk stuff. Like if I'm recording, then I like go to the recording mindset and I'll do all my recordings for a while.
1: What are some tips you can give us and our listeners in terms of how they can be more productive? Like, do you use a to-do list? What are your kind of strategies?
2: Yeah, I'm actually, I'm like realizing all my strategies as I discuss them with people because I'm like, well, I don't know. I've never really thought about it before. I sometimes have a to-do list. I make a to-do list when I'm totally overwhelmed. And I can't like decide what to do next. That's when I do a to-do list. But I don't have a running one. I just have like email and I have it kind of in my head and I have my calendar. One tip is not delaying stuff. So everything has to get done when it comes in. With my email management, I try really hard and it's, it's not usually successful. Like my holy grail is to like get no scroll bar in my inbox when I go to sleep at night. So sometimes I'll like stay up till one, just like trying to get rid of the scroll bar. Of course, then I wake up and another hundred emails, but mostly junk. When I'm going through emails, if I'm really trying to attack my inbox, I change it from sorted by date to sorted by name. And I go through and just like try to knock out certain chunks that have a lot of names in a row. My my mom or something. Anyway, I could get rid of six emails. So I do that with email. I start doing stuff immediately when I wake up. I lately have been blocking time in my calendar. This is new for me, but when I know some things do, like an article I have to write, I'm allocating time. Like every Tuesday at nine in the morning, I'm allocating time to record all the bios for all the podcasts. Whereas I used to be able to just fit that in. So now I'm trying to schedule it more. I'm always asking myself, like, am I using my time in the most effective way? Like even today, I was like, I'm not using my time as efficiently as I need to be. Like, I've got to ramp it up. Like, what am I doing now? So Every minute I'm like, what am I doing? Am I doing it as, as efficiently as humanly possible? Wow. <laughs> and sometimes it's being creative or something. And that's OK because I'm doing that, right? Like I'm going on a walk and I'm just going to think like, OK, fine. Today I spent some time being like, who would be on my wish list on my podcast? Like maybe it's time to pursue some of those people. I haven't done that in like a year. But then I felt like, well, if it doesn't work out, that's a waste of a day. And then I'm like, well, it's not a waste of a day. And frankly, it was like an hour. But sometimes you have to invest the time in like the growth of your business or whatever else.
1: Do you ever procrastinate? Do you ever just like spend time scrolling on your phone, get sucked into the Internet?
2: I scroll on purpose. I, I have like an hour a day I allocate to Instagram and then I have an alarm pop up and it tells me I'm done. So that's enough. That's um, brilliant. You can put it in Instagram. It, it pops up. So I always am interested in like what time of day do I, I reach it every day. But when? How late? Because I do. I don't even view it as scrolling. It's like scrolling on Instagram is like helping my friends, basically. Right. It's like, what are my friends up to? What, and what are the authors I know up to mostly? And the, if I don't, I might miss some really big piece of news or everybody posts all this news all the time. I wish there was. Oh, maybe I could do something. <laughs> this is how I start everything I do. When I say, like, I wish there were this, could I start it? And then I go through the whole, like, calculation in, like, three minutes. I wish there were a more efficient way to digest news. I know they have all these, like, news emails, but...
1: Yeah, like the skim.
2: Yeah, but that you could, like, pick only the authors you want and have the newsletter.
1: That's a good idea. Right?
2: I mean, I know Goodreads has something similar, but, like, if I could, instead of scrolling through Instagram for news, if I could just have, like these are the 600 authors I want news on every day. And then as an author, you put your information. That would probably save me some time. So let me think about that. Anyway. um, Uh, uh,
1: Did you just give yourself a new project?
2: Perhaps. uh, (laughs) Perhaps. Well, thank you. So, I mean, this was... (laughs) Sorry, I'm like running at the math. You caught me. No, no. I
1: mean, I, I love... Yeah, I feel so inspired. Thank you so much to me. This was amazing. Oh, thank you for having me. Okay, wow. That thing she said about stacking tasks and making the most of every minute of time, just, it blew my mind. Like, I can't imagine.
0: I can't fathom ever being that organized and efficient in my own life.
1: What a thing to strive for. Like, again, I don't think I will get there in this <laughs> lifetime, but hats off to Zivi, Like... <laughs>
0: definitely something
1: to work towards. I wish I could like rewire my brain to work that way. Me too.
0: Well, what are you doing this week to feel less anxious?
1: One of my favorite writers is Toni Morrison. I've read all her books and I've started now rereading her books. I'm reading The Bluest Eye, which I read for the first time back in high school and is so powerful and inspiring, reminder of what great writing looks like. So, yeah, I think revisiting kind of old favorites has been a nice pastime and and again, reading is always my go-to.
0: How about you? I've been reading too. My kids had to bring in poems for school this week and I was scanning our poetry bookshelves and I found this book that I'd read years and years ago that was not at all appropriate for the children to <laughs> <laughs> take into school, but I I I plucked it off the shelf and started reading it myself again. It's uh, Richard Brodigan's Trout Fishing in America, which is, is so beautiful and it was really fun to revisit that.
1: Oh, nice. So do you feel a little bit less anxious about time management? <laughs>
0: Honestly, I feel like I have my work cut out for me. How about you?
1: Same here. I am going to think about a lot of things Zibby said, though, about being kind of more intentional about time. And I don't know, maybe not beating myself up for procrastinating. I think that's like a key thing, like to just kind of accept the hours that feel wasted. I feel like that's an expression, like time you enjoy wasting is not wasted time.
0: That's a lovely sentiment.
1: Well, I know that you get it.
0: And I know you get it too. And I hope all of you listening get it as well. And we'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye. Anxiously is brought to you by Tablet Studios. Our producers are Josh Cross Sarah Fredman-Ader, and Robert Scaramuccia. Our music is by the best band in the world, Low Cut Connie. Please rate and review us on iTunes so more people can find us. It really helps. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at AnxiouslyPod. And if you have feedback or questions about the show, email us at anxiously at tabletmag.com. For more information about the show, head to tabletmag.com anxiously and check out all of Tablet's podcasts at tabletmag.com podcasts. See you later.